Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, July the 11th. I'm your host, D.A., NFL offseason news, former number one draft pick, Jadavion Clowney, will not get a contract extension from the Houston Texans. Now, this is a guy that when he was drafted, many felt would be unstoppable in the NFL. Team him with J.J. Watt on opposite ends of the Texans defensive line. Who are you going to choose to block? But that really hasn't been the career of Clowney. Watt has been injured. Clowney certainly has dealt with his own share of injuries. But Jadavion has rebounded nicely, making the last three Pro Bowls. Nevertheless, there's no GM right now in Houston. And apparently Bill O'Brien doesn't like the idea of giving long-term money to Clowney. Is Bill O'Brien being a quote-unquote a-hole? Well, that's the term used on Sports Radio 610 in Houston on In the Loop. Number one, this sounds very typical of Bill O'Brien, simply because he's always clearly been thought of as an a-hole, and now all of a sudden you don't really want to pay Jadavion Clowney. Well, first of all, why? Because guy's been to multiple Pro Bowls. Yes, he's had a little bit of an injury history. I get that. But when the guy's on the field, he clearly is a difference maker. So then I then go to the next facet of that. Well, you didn't really have any problem with paying J.J. Watt. You weren't halting back the process of him getting paid. So why all of a sudden does this have to be such a a, a huge discrepancy with Jadavion Clowney. I get it. Jadavion you think wants- Clowney's as good as Watt, though? I don't I mean that's what I, that's no, that would be my I, question. No, he isn't. But clearly, Jadavion Clowney is a Pro Bowler, and number two, he's a difference maker. We can clearly see that. Is he on JJ Watt level, Defensive Player of the Year, three times out of a four year span? No, he's not. But he's well above the threshold of deserving to get paid. He's well above that. So I get how Bill O'Brien probably does not like. Jadavion Clowney's approach to the game in certain aspects, maybe off the field, does not necessarily like the injury history. I get that. Mm -hmm. But this kid deserves to be paid. Now, how is it going to play out in the locker room? That's the biggest thing because, yes, as a coach, you have a right to feel however you want to feel, and you're the head coach. You can basically do whatever that you know what you want. I get that. But there are certain players in that locker room that are really cool with Jadavion Clowney. There are certain players in that locker room that really, really believe in Jadavion Clowney. And if this lingers on, there's a strong chance, a possibility that he can lose that locker well, room, especially on the defense side of the ball. That, that's what I really wanted to talk to you about. We've, we've been obviously talking about this. It's I, I want Jadavion Clowney to make all the money in the world, and I, and I want him to be you know here a long time, and, and I like him, and I know you do. And As you just mentioned, there's a lot of guys uh, in that locker room that like him. Yes. I think Bill O'Brien did what was best for the team to to get the most yep. out of Jadavion Clowney this year because he's going to play in a one-year contract, essentially. He's going to have an edge. He's going to be pissed off. 
you know, he's going to he's going to be hungry to get that next deal and not get franchise tagged again. Bill O'Brien, we don't have to like it, and I don't like it from a from the Clowney perspective, but he did what's best to get the most on the field from Jadeveon Clowney. But that everybody's talking about it in the locker room. So that's what I wanted to bring you about. So even though I get what he did, you know, he's trying to do the right thing to, to get the most out of Clowney. What are they saying in the locker room right now? In the locker room, there's a lot of people that are questioning Bill O'Brien's motives. Like, okay, why is it all of a sudden he don't want to pay Clowney, but he doesn't mind paying everybody else, and he doesn't want to halt the process and have his stronger feelings. Yes, we get it. Jadavion, J.D., from time to time, he's hurt. We get that. Mm-hmm. He started off slow in his career. Being Although the he's, played, he's missed only four games the last three years. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he started off slow being injured and not necessarily producing at the level of the number one overall pick should. But he has played very well over the last couple of years. He has not been that much injured. So what's the issue? Yes, does he probably approach the game the way Bill O'Brien wants everybody to approach the game? You know, suit and tie, guys like that from Katie. Mm-hmm. I get all that. But the guy has not been in trouble. He's not out there doing crazy things outside of the uh, outside of the locker room. Mm-hmm. He's producing on the field. So check, 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 check. What's the issue? Why does it have to? Why does there have to be an issue? I mean, it's not like it's not a unique approach. Like be- it's, it, it happens all the time in the NFL with guys who have that suit and tie mentality. You talk I'll about. Tell, I'll tell you just like this why it's got why it's an issue, Landry. Because he has produced. And now it's time for him to get paid. So for a lot of players, but it's not a unique situation. Is my no, point? It's I, I get, I get that. This is a really weird situation with the Texans when you don't have a GM going into the season, and there might not be a GM the entire season, and then that allows the head coach to make decisions that perhaps is best suited for the head coach, but not the organization long term. Who knows, maybe this is Bill O'Brien looking out for the long-term health of the Texans by saying, do not allow a lot of money to be funneled from our salary cap into Clowney because we can't trust him once he gets that cash to be committed, to work hard, to not be injury-prone, etc. But you wonder what would happen if a GM was present. What would happen? This is a huge decision for the Texans, and a GM in place might have a different decision than Bill O'Brien which once again earmarks just how bizarre the Texans' front office situation is right now. Meantime, as the NFL training camps creep closer to us, people are wondering about the big awards this upcoming season. Who will shine? Who could be the MVP? Here's NFL insider Armando Salguero for Radio.com, who joined New Orleans Sports Talk on WWL with Bobby Abair and Company. Who are your top three? Who are your three candidates right now? You feel like are going to be in the conversation for an NFL MVP award? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good question. So, you know, everybody's always going to look at you know Tom Brady and down there and Drew Brees, right? And, uh, all of the guys that have been there before. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw someone out at you that is a really good player, but hasn't reached that level yet, and that's Andrew Luck. Um, I think that he's ready to make that jump. I think that, you know, the guy threw 39 touchdown passes last year and uh, threw for 4,700 yards. He's got a good offensive line around him. I think that they're going to put, they put some good receivers around him this off season. Um, that's my guy. And you know, Armando, uh, 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 Christian, wasn't that my dark horse? That was your dark horse. I- I'm telling you. Cause Mine was Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah, but uh, I look at Andrew Luck and where he's at right now, and uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just hoping 
because the Super Bowl is back in Miami, a replay of that 2009 season, uh, the Saints and the Colts in Miami for that Super Bowl. Uh, but when you, Armando, when you look at like, uh, I mean, is it? I don't think it's a flash in the pan. But look, Pat Mahomes. What Pat Mahomes did. I mean, you have to acknowledge that another dark horse, Baker Mayfield, the pressure he'll have with the Browns, considering the all-star cast. Uh, but what is your take on Mahomes and, I mean, where he's at right now? Is he humble enough maybe to build upon what he did? Because it was truly unbelievable what he did with Andy Reid and the Chiefs. No, that was amazing. That was like utter destruction of defenses. And the amazing thing is that he is humble. He, that guy gets it, and uh, I think that has to do with his father, who was a professional baseball player and, and, you know, brought him up right. It's just as simple as that. That guy is a, was a professional in high school, and so I think that that is to his benefit. What works against him is he's not going to be a surprise anymore. Uh, that's number one. Right. Defensive coordinators have a way of catching up. Number two – so what are the Chiefs? Do they have Tyreek Hill or do they not have Tyreek Hill? Obviously, you know, Hunt is gone. Uh, I'm familiar with Damian Williams from his days here in Miami. He's okay. He's not, like, you know, great. He's not fourth rusher in the NFL great. So what is that team going to be? They also lost some, you know, important players on the defensive side. Justin Houston, to name one, uh, who went to the Colts, by the way. Um, and so, you know, is there going to be more more pressure on Mahomes to, you know, it's hard to believe they might have to score more points. Right. But they might have to score more points. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, that's a pretty good division. So if you're asking me, is he going to throw 50 touchdown passes again? I would tend to doubt that. You're always going to put Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in that conversation. They're always going to be front runners for the MVP. And Aaron Donald from the Rams should be an MVP as well, considering just how dominant he is. But I like that call by Salguero, Andrew Luck. Last year, a huge rebound season for Luck. That front office finally gave him an offensive line. They finally gave him a ground game, a much more balanced team, and a young team that took a step forward last year and actually went on the road and won a game in Houston last season. So that, frankly, was a big step forward for a Colts franchise that was spinning its wheels. And while they lost in the divisional round at Arrowhead Stadium, there's certainly the possibility that this year the Colts take that next step forward, and Andrew Luck, fully back and fully healthy with his repaired shoulder, is the NFL MVP. On to baseball. We have now wrapped up the all-star break. Back in action tonight, one game in Major League Baseball, the Astros and the Rangers. And there's going to be plenty of managers on the hot seat in the second half of the season if their teams do not become competitive in the playoff race. But is that fair? Here's Chris Rose from MLB Network who joined Basket and Phelps from the side of the All-Star game. Cleveland's 92.3 The Fan and talking about the modern dynamic of managing from the GM's press box. 69 guys that in have the major 20 league homers? that have 16 or more home runs. That's bizarre. 69 guys. And there's 10 that have 16 or more steals. And, you know, I looked at, at steals from the last, like, seven or eight years. The leaders in Major League Baseball are all 45 or so. You know I mean? There's nobody busting out with the Kenny Lofton yeah, that, 70 stolen bases. Right. The is Ricky that Henderson home runs 95. or is that 
players not being well, aggressive when they have the I green light? The or is that managers? It is. It's, is it's the managers. managers, isn't it? The style no, of play? No, it's definitely not the managers. You don't no, think let, it is, Let's Chris? start with this, guys. Okay. Unfortunately, because I like a lot of the managers, it it's now a game that's being managed from the front office. They go over scenarios daily. Not only lineups, a lot of if-then scenarios. If the other team does this, then we will do this. If our starting pitcher hits the you know lineup for the third time in the fifth inning, then we will make this move because the numbers say that third time through the order, our pitcher struggles. Not not every starting pitcher is that way, but right. So you know, for me, like Dave Roberts last year, Rich Hill in Game Four was pitching really well. Takes him out. Things blow up in his face. Boston comes back, takes a series win. Who has to face the media? Dave Roberts. Roberts. Now, I'm not, you can't convince me that the decision was necessarily Dave Roberts. It might have come from Andrew Friedman and his cast of a thousand GMs out there. Farhan Zaidi was still there. He's now, you know, the president of baseball ops with the Giants. I would like to hear those guys come down and face the fire. Hey, if this is an organizational decision, yeah. come down and explain it to us as fans. So that we understand, so that Dave Roberts isn't left there holding the bag at the end of the day. Now, does that make you want to be a manager? Nope. But those guys understand what it is. There aren't a lot of Tito's left in the game. I mean, look at the guys we've lost over the last five or six years. You know, Buck Showalter, Jim Leland, right? Yeah. Tony LaRusso was eight years ago. So a lot of older school guys who Bruce Bochy's leaving after this year. It's not because Sabermetrics. It has a a huge place in this game, but not everything can be an if then scenario. Guys have to be able to look at the dudes that because they're human beings that play the game, and you don't always feel the same way every day, right? We don't always yeah. feel the same way every day. So how can ball players? They have to be able to put their hands on them, look them in the eyes, and say, "Okay, you know what? You can give me another two batters. I I know this. The numbers might not say it, but I know it." That's like when Aaron Boone becomes man. Jeff and I it was. We're only a couple of years removed from covering him right. on yeah. a day-to-day basis, yeah. and he, him hitting me in the head every day, walking out of the dugout. Good. I'm happy. I like I, Aaron Boone I, I, even more. Exactly <laughs> right. You know, it's true. There's just so many managers these days that are puppets due to the analytics of the general manager's position and all of the people that GM surrounds himself with, with statistical analysis. And when you have managers that take out pitchers prematurely – or go to a certain reliever, or have a certain lineup, or do something that feels very robotic, you do have to ask the question, is that the manager's decision? Or is he just getting his information from the press box, from the GM? You know, there's all of this talk about collaboration, but sometimes collaboration just means that managers are hired to act out what the GM is actually thinking and wanting. And the manager doesn't really have any type of control over the team and over the game. And that's a really important distinction to make in modern Major League Baseball. Now, baseball right now seems to be financially very healthy, but is it possible a strike is on the horizon? Well, here's the guys in Baltimore on 105.7 The Fan and the Big Bad Morning Show suggesting we could be looking down the barrel at a work stoppage in a couple of off-seasons. So the uh, scutterbutt around the All-Star game was that players are united and willing to strike over current economic system in today's game. 
Jerry Coleman, we saw a record-breaking contract sign this year in Major League Baseball. 2021 is when the CBA is up. With these contracts that are given out, I think nowadays for the NBA, for Major League Baseball, those two sports in particular with some of the contracts out, maybe to a lesser extent NFL, those two sports cannot afford to have a work stoppage. Fans will not understand people leaving out for $20, 30000000 million contracts of guaranteed money. It's going to be a huge blow to either one of those sports, but Major League Baseball in particular. Completely agree. I mean, it would be so damaging, in my opinion, to baseball. Still trying to cultivate that next generation we were just talking about. And when was the last one? 94? Thank, thank goodness that Cal Ripken and the steroid era helped bring the game back. But... In the past, the players have been able to bank on free agency for their paydays, and that seems to have changed. That's what they're complaining about. It's, I guess, the mistreatment, if you will, of guys like Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell, who were actually offered money. Turn, I mean, Keuchel lost money. He turned down a qualifying offer from the Astros. It wasn't like they weren't offering. It just wasn't to his liking, and the same with Kimbrell. So... Yeah, you would alienate a lot of fans out there, Rob, who live paycheck to paycheck and just don't understand why these multi-millionaires, unlike the NFL, as we have pointed out, the NBA and Major League Baseball guys are well-vested in terms of contracts, their pensions. The Major League Baseball pension program is obscene. I mean, once you play a certain amount of time and you're vested, you're set for life. You're basically set for life. Ten years, right? No. What is it? It's a shorter amount of time. You just have to play in a handful of games as a major leaguer to be vested, from what I've been told. I will look up the numbers, but a friend was explaining that to me recently. It doesn't take a whole lot to get in the Major League Baseball pension program. So, I don't understand where the rank-and-file players would be in terms of this. I know it was the Players Association head, Tony Clark, doing most of the talking. I really wonder how the players individually feel about this, that they could risk doing this and damaging the game. Well, it's not just the, um, as you talked about, uh, the free agency that they're they're upset about. They're also upset with the contract extensions. Mm-hmm. avoiding arbitration for these con- long contract extensions. They feel young players are being taken advantage of because they're being offered and waived all of this money in their faces uh, without really getting uh, the big payday that they expect. Now, keep in mind, Mike Trout was part of a contract extension, 12 years, $430 million. Uh, Xander Bogut's six years, $120 million um, contract extension. Um Ronald Acuna Jr., eight years, $100 million. But people point towards Ozzie Albies, seven years, $35 million at the age of 22. His contract extension will be one of the people that teams turn to or players turn to as being a bad deal. Certainly the situation of guys that should have been very appetizing free agents in the open market, not signing until into the regular season, because GMs were so worried about losing compensation picks or draft picks, you know that definitely speaks to this weird new world of baseball where the future, in many cases, is far more important than the present. And what you have is a number of organizations every year just tanking, 
not caring if they lose 100 games or more. I mean, this year we could have five or six teams that lose 100 games. That's unheard of. That's a terrible number. And it takes a lot of the fan bases out of the mix. And so when that happens, what you see is this focus on what comes next. Let's build up the farm system. Let's get cheap, young labor. Let's try to time it all and synchronize it all together. And in doing so, a lot of teams, a lot of organizations take it on the chin because it means they don't have to pay out money. They get to take, they get to take their fair share of revenue and sharing for the television contract in the league. And they say, well, we'll make money anyway, even if we don't win And there should be a red flag around Major League Baseball's Players Association offices and about how to fix that. Now, on to basketball. Russell Westbrook seems to have eyes for Miami. Certainly the Heat has eyes for him. But we don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off from a salary structure standpoint. But how about a personality standpoint as well? Does Russ work on South Beach with that Heat team with Jimmy Butler? Here's Ian Thompson, longtime NBA writer, who joined the Joe Rose Show with Zach Krantz in Miami on WQAM. LeBron was really looking for what uh, Miami could offer, what Pat Riley could offer. Is Russell Westbrook really looking for it? He should be, but but is he? Will he be? That that's what is going to make it so interesting. If he does end up going to Miami, will will the Riley point of view, will the Miami Heat point of view, make a difference in Russell Westbrook's uh, career? That is might be the biggest challenge you'll ever face as as, uh, as an executive is, is trying to steer, steer Russell Westbrook in the right direction. That's a great breakdown of the uh, emotional almost or career backgrounds of LeBron and, and Russell. The other part component of that is Jimmy Butler coming is here, him and Russell Westbrook playing together. You have two um, – you know, you know, high maintenance, for lack of a better word, personalities. Uh, what and what type of a team would they be with those two as a centerpiece? I mean that that's a great question, Dave. And maybe, just maybe, um, it would help pry the ball out of Westbrook's hands a little bit. Having Jimmy Butler there, if he has the respect for Jimmy Butler and recognizes Jimmy Butler is the same kind of personality that he is. And then you can't mess with him. You have to respect him, and you have to let him play um, if you want to coexist with him, if you want to succeed. And that's always been the big concern with Russell Westbrook, right? Getting the ball out of his hands. For for all these years, Oklahoma City has been hoping to move the ball from side to side on the court, from the left side of the court to the right side of the court, back and forth. That's how you break down these uh, collapsing defenses. And um, they haven't been able to do it. He he has not wanted to do it. But maybe if they have a guy like Jimmy Butler there, who was really the de facto point guard for Philadelphia during the playoffs this past season, I mean, he was running the team. Uh, and, and so they're kind of sharing, or maybe it's a 60-40 relationship where Jimmy Butler is running the show 40% of the time and you're playing Russell Westbrook off the ball. That might be a way to help him do something that he hasn't wanted to do before. Uh, Ian, let's go around the NBA a little bit here. Uh, Lakers, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, the Clippers, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. Uh, LA's back on the map now when it comes to the NBA. Uh, were you shocked that that all that got done with those two teams in the last year or so? Not by the Lakers, but but like everybody else, by the Clippers, and it's entirely my fault. 
<laughs> so I didn't see it coming on the Clippers. <laughs> because all year long, all we heard, right, was the Clippers were going to get Kawhi Leonard. That's where yep. he would want to go. And then, and then I, I just get caught up in this 24-7 news cycle, and everybody's talking about the Lakers all of a sudden, and you forget all about the Clippers, even though they were the mainstay. They were the ones that were recruiting him all year long, you know, following him to every game, making sure that he knew that they were there all that kind of stuff and it's his hometown and uh, the culture they set up seemed to match his and they had a, they had a well-structured front office, which I can't believe I'm saying about the Clippers, but much better structured than the Lakers. So it shouldn't have been a surprise ultimately. And I guess the real surprise was that, you know, Mr. Silent uh, was the one that went in and broke up the marriage of Paul George in Oklahoma city. I don't think anybody would have seen that coming or even thought of them as a potential pairing. Um, but it's very intriguing now that they're together for sure. And I don't know who to pick for the to win the championship this year. And that's a first for me. I can't remember the last time the NBA was so wide open. This is now. You know, that really is an interesting point because Russell Westbrook has not been able to push the Thunder past being a middle-of-the-pack playoff team of the West and losing in the first round since Kevin Durant left, since KD left for the Warriors. Three years, three first-round exits for Russ. And is that about not having great surrounding pieces, or is that more about having a difficult time playing the best teammate he can be and the best player he can be for the coach and kind of doing it on his own terms? You know, Pat Riley is a guy that suffers very few fools, and is Westbrook going to fall into line and follow what Riley says because Riley has all of the rings, whereas Russ going to be hard-headed and do it his way. And if he does it his way, what's the potential of combustion with him and Jimmy Butler? Maybe Riley is the perfect guy for Westbrook right now, a guy that he can follow because Riley has all the championship experience and pedigree and was a guy that got LeBron James to that pinnacle of a championship after so many years of falling short. But Russ is going to have to be able to fit in with his surroundings if he wants to change the narrative on his career. Finally, we talk a lot about the powers in the Western Conference. The Clippers, the Lakers are brand new powers. The Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, the Portland Trailblazers all look really good as well. Obviously, the Golden State Warriors have been the dynasty over the last five years. And where does that leave the San Antonio Spurs? Kawhi Leonard is now two teams removed from his San Antonio days. What's happened to the Spurs? Why are they such an afterthought right now? Here's SNY basketball insider Ian Begley, who joined Joe Beningo on WFAN in New York. And what's happened overall to them? I mean, now you know, I mean, Popovich and, you know, every year they were certainly a championship contender. Like I said, they were the model franchise for like 20 years, and that's kind of gone by the boards now. Well, it's funny because I think all NBA teams have the, the, the drama that plays out behind the scenes, the, the sniping among players and coaches and management, and just forever, you didn't see it come to light in San Antonio until this Kawhi Leonard issue, and then everybody kind of saw that the Spurs had the same issues as every other team in this league, it's just that they didn't get out. And listen, I, I would never discount San Antonio going into a season. I've learned that lesson too many times, but... You have to see this for what it is. It seems like Greg Popovich is is towards the end of the road of his coaching career, and 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 I think the continuity, the style of play is still there, but the the talent isn't there for this Spurs team, and it, and it seems like 
we are getting to the end of the road with thing with this thing in San Antonio. They've had a heck of a run. It's been incredible to see what they've done going back to Tim Duncan. But it seems like we're in the final stages here. All right. What what is your thoughts again? We're talking to Ian Begley of SNY basketball with him. What's your thoughts on on the fact that now coaches are going to be able to challenge certain things uh, next season? What's your thoughts on it? I like it. I like it because there are plays over the course of the game where you scratch your head and you wonder why you know. They could challenge certain plays, but then every once in a while there'll be a question about a two- or a three-pointer and whether a guy's foot was on the line and the play keeps going, and you're wondering, well, why can't they just go get that right? And in my mind, this is a great thing. The only issue for me with all sports, baseball, basketball, whatever, how much is it slowing the game down? Mm-hmm. How much is it hurting the fan experience? And, and and how much does it interrupt the flow of the game? So, you know, as long as you can structure it in a way where it's not killing the rhythm of the game, I think it's worthwhile. If you can get a call right, you should get it right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I really am down on replay everywhere. I'm tired of replay. I really am. You know, it's funny how much power one player can wield because if Kawhi was doing this healthy in San Antonio, the Spurs are a championship-caliber operation. You take Kawhi out of it, and even if you just downgrade to DeMar DeRozan, they're an afterthought. They're a 6, a 7, an 8 seed maybe in the Western Conference. So that's why teams are willing to do anything to bring in a guy like Kawhi Leonard, why the Clippers were willing to trade away five draft picks and two players to get a guy that's only guaranteed to be there two years with a player option for the third. Because Kawhi, like so many of the other great players in the NBA, dictates everything about your potential. That's it. The best at around your dial for Thursday, July the 11th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.